Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. Check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working. Michael Hansen, thank you very much indeed for joining me. You've been a teacher, a talent scout, an A&R man, right? Political consultant, sales guy, and now serial entrepreneur. That's a, a fairly involved and varied career. And you've done it in what, five? Five different countries? Is that about right? Uh, I'm trying to count the countries. Yeah, four or five. I can't, I can't remember how many now. My memory is not very good, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, with that, that amount of experience in there, I can, I can understand why. What point in that illustrious career, varied illustrious career, did you first have to start managing other people? Yeah, I think it was um, about, I think it was 2014. So what is that, about eight, eight years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, an account manager um, leading a, a small team. It's actually my first, I think, role in kind of like tech uh, software. Um, and then it, I guess it was also one of my first times because I think there's two sides to leadership, right? You've got managing an internal team, which I was doing a small team of a couple of people. But then it was also like managing accounts, right? And I actually think the best like client managers or account managers, they challenge their clients as well. Um, so I think that was, and I worked with the, the old head of sales because we would kind of work on like renewals, upsells together as well. And she taught me, she was like, look, you've got knowledge that the client doesn't have. And actually, the most rubbish phrase in business is like, the customer is always right. The customer often doesn't know what they need, right? And you do. So you need to like challenge. And and that was a good, good learning experience for me as often like the tougher conversations need to be had from like a leadership perspective. I mean, that's where you're in your money, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the difficult conversations, that's where we all actually, when the rubber hits the road and we, we truly earn our shillings. And the customers, yeah. I mean, in the sales side here the customers are experts but they're experts on their problems they're not experts on how to fix them that's where they're talking to you yeah how do you how do you see that the the idea of managing the people or leading the people and leading your customers where where's the overlap yeah well i guess we were quite a small company so i was doing both you know you've often got um you know bigger companies you may have a sales director, head of sales, whatever it is, and they're more just focused with the internal team. And then the the individual practitioners are the ones actually like speaking to customers, et cetera. Um, I was kind of wearing multiple hats. So a lot of the, as you said, I've had various different roles I've done in my career. Um, and a lot of those have been at startups, right? So I've had to wear like multiple hats. So um, yeah, it can be a bit tricky. And I think it's just about organizing your day and saying, hey, this is the time I'm going to speak with my internal team and this is the time I'm going to speak with my customers. So, mm-hmm. You called it a practitioner there. I love that. Yeah, yeah that's more like if, it, if it's uh, a sale, like just a, I'd say just a salesperson. I think being a salesperson is a very difficult job, but if they're 100% dedicated just to selling, we call that uh, an individual practitioner. And we see often, because we target, we sell to like heads of sales, chief revenue officers, uh-huh. sometimes a, a VP of sales, is actually just really a, a salesperson with a fancy job title. And I've been that in the past. I've been a VP of sales and I've just been selling. Um, so yeah, we see that a lot. But it's, it, it, there's, 
I don't know, maybe I'm digging something where there isn't actually gold to be found, but the fact that you call it a practitioner means that there is a practice, which means that it's something you get better at, which is, there's, there's more to it than just, I mean, because I think the, another term is an individual contributor, right? The IC or something. Yeah. But the practitioner yeah. means there's a practice, there's, there's, it's a profession, it's a, there's, there's depth to it. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like anything, right? And I think that's why often athletes make good salespeople is because they're just um, athletes are used to like training really hard. And it's the same with sales. You're not just going to one day like pick up a phone or get on a sales call and smash it. It's like a process of one getting coached and like asking for feedback, and two, just the more you do it, the better you'll get. And even I look at you know not even five, six years ago, things I was doing like two, three years ago, they make me cringe, right? So yeah, it's a constant process of evolution. And I think, you know, we work with hundreds of sales people now at my company. And I find that the ones that don't perform the best are the ones that have a big ego because they think oh, I know everything, right? And that they're not going to evolve and they're going to get left behind. Oh. Yeah. The best ones I've ever found, and I manage lots of sales teams, the best sales people I ever found were the ones who were desperately hungry for feedback and coaching and development yeah and really wanted to grow and I, I i don't think it's i think it's something that very easily translates to to other people and other successful people as well as people who really want to develop themselves or they see that they're on a journey not particularly with one with uh, goals or targets but it's about the journey that they want to improve and again, that goes back to the sales thing. I mean, sales is absolutely a target-driven uh, yeah. practice, profession. But if you get hung up on trying to hit a number, uh, it rapidly comes up and bites you in the backside. Yeah. I think it's more the practice, the the, the, the journey, the, the things, the processes, the things that you do every day that compound. I think there's, that there's that quote, isn't there, life? is a journey not a destination um okay. and so sales is a great example of that right so it's like people that like playing the game versus like hitting their targets they're the ones that often do the best that's a finite or infinite games isn't it so if it's a finite <laughs> game, it's got it's got uh, an end the infinite game that's the one we all want to be on on exactly yeah yeah so people on this journey then and like you um 2014 you stepped into a role where you had to, you were suddenly responsible for other people's uh, outcomes, other people's uh, work, and in some way you were responsible for them. What advice would you give to somebody in a similar situation? Yeah, I think um, I think definitely humility is is something, and and again, it's one of those weird things that you don't want to say you're humble because that almost makes you less humble right but humble i would brag, like to yeah humble brag. brag i would like to think oh, i'm so humble me I can <laughs> but for, forget comparing to anyone else just comparing myself to you know 2014 so it would have been 20, 25 then so i'm 33 now so looking back at that i would say looking back at my younger self i think i thought i knew a lot of things that i didn't really and there's that quote i think it's by socrates like the wise man is the one who knows nothing or thinks he knows nothing. And it's it's going back to that. And I think sometimes maybe as a manager or even with clients, I would think I knew the answers to things because they worked well in the past, but every situation, every person is different. 
And then I also think we make that mistake as managers is everyone is a different personality and you can't just replicate the things that work for you for other people. So you need to like go into what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, what do they need to work on? So I think that was definitely a learning curve for me as a manager. Uh-huh. So you find you so humility and focusing on the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just not thinking. I think there's and sales is a great example of this, right? There's so many examples of like incredible salespeople, account executives, whatever they're called at their companies, who like smash it. They're closing millions, and then the the CEO or VP of sales or whoever it is says, "Oh, obviously we're going to promote them. Let's give them a promotion. They can manage people." But the thing is, is actually they're good at sales, but they're not good at people management. And they get frustrated because they're like, why can't he do what I did last year? Like, why can't she do this? It's, it's really annoying. But they're lacking that empathy, which is like everyone's going to sell in a slightly different way. Everyone's going to do everything in a slightly different way, aren't they? Exactly. I mean, yeah. And then the sales, I suppose, like any situation, it's always it has been. I think we're becoming a bit better at it, generally speaking. It's typically always been the the best coder or the number one salesperson or the highest achiever who gets ripped mercilessly out of their performance zone and shoved into having to look after other people and all of a sudden they stop performing and the company itself has lost the output of that top performer because they're now flapping about trying to look other look after other people not recognizing that their job is in fact not to do that, not to do the job, but to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's a good point. I never really thought about it outside of sales as well. I guess I've thought about it with like football managers, right? Like often mm. there are a lot of nowadays, there are a lot of footballers who are good managers, right? But there's former footballers, but then there's also a lot of ex-footballers who are terrible managers and even there's a lot of football managers like, I don't know, Jose Mourinho who never like really played the game, right? So that, that football is quite a good example of that as well. I think any performance sport, I mean, and, and sales in particular is a performance profession. You are, you are, you have to perform. Um, I, I think that uh, if you take that high performer, you need to find a high performer who has, as you said, and empathy, who has the humility, who has, again, as you said, the ability to look at the other as an individual and not expect that, well, I'm a data-driven person, so therefore success in this role means that you too must be a data-driven person, whereas maybe for somebody else it's about building relationships, it's about something else. And knowing not only is everybody unique, but knowing how to get the best out of them, and actually not even knowing, but burning for it, being having a desire to do it, because so many yeah. folk think that the next step is management. And it just it isn't. Not yeah, that. that it's a good point as well. So one of our clients, um, she's a sales director she, who's managing which sales and marketing. She's managing a team of maybe like 30 people, right? It's a very fast-growing tech company, so probably quite stressful. And then her husband is uh, like an enterprise salesperson. And I, mm-hmm. I often say this, which is he owns a lot more than her because he's getting huge commission, right? Closing enterprise deals. She's managing a load of people, has more stress. But for him, it's more like he likes that internal competition against himself, like a lot of salespeople, where she loves that human aspect of developing people, right? And that's often, I think, 
we look at sales managers and they're like, oh, they're on big salaries. They're just interested in money. But actually often they're not because they're like, I want to develop younger salespeople and help them like succeed in their career. Those are going to be the best sales managers. So, Yeah. It's that desire to coach, to see, to see the best in other people. Okay. What would you then give us uh, how to, what should what would be your first aid advice? So you, you said somebody needs to be humble, you know, and not, watch them here not quite uh, here i am how, how humble am i looking today uh hello well like really humble in that t-shirt um so you need to be humble you need to have empathy you need to see the other person how how do you go and do that where'd you start yeah so one of the things we go into a lot is like the why or what we call like the higher purpose so people like simon sinek who talk about this a lot but and really, if you're doing this well, you should do this in the interview process to like qualify people out of the job who aren't a good fit. But there's really two questions that we we look for. Again, these should be asked in the interview, but you can ask later as well, which we have to do as consultants, which is, why did you decide to work for this company specifically? So why is the company's mission and vision aligned to you? And then two is like, why do you work in sales, right? And we get them to write all these things down and they can print them or like have them on their computer. And then if, you, if you're having a tough day, you're hungover, you've had a fight with your partner, like something bad's happening in your personal life and you don't really want to work, you're kind of going back to that why and that's that's really driving you. So that's something I'd really recommend having those conversations with people because you really get to know them on like a deeper level and, and what's driving them because sales is whatever profession you're doing. It's just a, a job to serve your like wider life, right? People that are addicted to their jobs and workaholics. And I've been like that in my life before. They haven't really got a fulfilling life. So you've always got to see like, what's the bigger picture for, for all of these people. And I think as soon as I started doing that, I had much more like meaningful relationships with people that I was managing. So you understand a bit more about their why. I suppose yeah. you actually have to start yourself, don't you? Yeah, that's a great point because um, when I started doing this, um, people started asking me, oh, what's your one? I hadn't clearly defined it. So what I had to do is do that and then kind of give that as an example before I asked them because, you know, like with sales, everything's storytelling. So if you can tell your own story, then suddenly they're thinking about that as well. So. That's a nice. So start with why, but start with your own why before you get to their why. Yeah, exactly. Purpose, purpose, purpose-driven organizations, purpose-driven people. Yeah, there's um, what is it? Uh, Daniel Pink, uh, Drive, I think his book is. Uh, it's the surprising truth about things that motivate. He talks about purpose, mastery, and autonomy as being the three big things that that uh, motivate people. And there's the big nice. P, the big capital P for purpose, changing the world, doing the big thing, and the small P, which is the thing that actually gets you out of bed in the morning that purpose that reason you're doing something so you've got the yeah. you know i want to i want to sell do deliver whatever it is you're yeah. about but then you also want to pay the mortgage you also want to work with your friends you want to you want to have a, a good time and not let people down that's yeah mm. yeah i like that breaking it down into little chunks as well oh. yeah was there a particular mistake or an event that led you to learn a lot yeah, I mean, I've I've had I've definitely had loads with sales, um, like loads of stupid things I've done. Uh, I think um, I think I've had them with management as well. I think one of the biggest mistakes I I see with myself and I see with other people is assumptions. 
So I think we often make assumptions about people. So again, and this goes back to when you're managing people, you expect them to behave in the same way you do. And we're all unique individuals. So making an assumption that something that was okay for you is okay for someone else is not always the case. And even, you know, nowadays um, we've kind of got, I think I call it like Gen Z people coming into the market. So I don't see myself as that old. I'm, I'm 33, but, you know, we've got 21, 22, 23 year olds who are maybe their first job outside of university. And they kind of like take feedback in a different way. So I think it used to be more of like a direct um, culture. So you've always got to look at like different personalities. Um, so yeah, I think making assumptions about the way people will like behave or act, that's definitely, um, yeah, I think I've like offended people or like upset people because I've tried to manage in a way that I expect to be managed versus managing in a way that they want to be managed. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the golden rule, isn't it? It's, um, it's in, I think it's in the gospels, it's in Mark and Luke and all over the place. It's uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And we always yeah. misinterpret it. Yeah. I think we're just not wise enough to actually understand what it really means. We think that it means that we should treat people the way that we want to be treated. And if you listen, yeah. do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It really means do to the other person the thing that they want to have done to them. Yeah. Not treat them the way that you want to be treated. It's to recognize that they want to be treated the way that they want to be treated and do that. And like going back to one of your first points, it's understanding that folk are different. We're just different, yeah. different strokes for different folks, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah I like that. It's, it's, it's a big learning point, I think. It's not assuming that everybody's just like you are. It comes to, it goes, goes to your, your recruitment piece as well. Um, I, I often found it very hard not to hire people just like me. And I don't necessarily mean, uh, you know, white, six foot one, middle-aged Scotsman. I mean, um, oh, early middle-aged, you know. Uh, I mean, people that think like me. I had a, a very diverse team, but at one point I was thinking, oh, golly, gosh, you're all thinking just like I do. That's no damn use. You've got to find people on different sides of opinion, different different yeah, background different for sure we get hung up in the demographic too easy okay yeah what, what are you working on at, at the moment then michael growth yes yeah, so, yeah so i run a sales consultancy called growth genie um i set it up three and a half years ago uh, basically before that i worked for a, a sales agency so people would outsource sales services to my last company i was the head of sales and marketing there grew it from like 10 to 200 people and the, the problem I saw in the market is if you're a kind of decision maker in B2B nowadays, you're getting spammed at an unprecedented level. You're getting like hundreds of emails a week and it's becoming more difficult to kind of stand out from everyone else. So that's really what we're, our mission statement is, is like empowering uh, B2B sales teams to have better conversations and stand out uh, in the crowd. Um, so we focus on training and coaching salespeople and then also the, the messaging uh, that they're going to use. So that's that's one thing. And then I know we're on a podcast today, literally uh, last week, I just launched my own podcast called The Cosmic Bridge, which is um, around kind of topics we were talking about earlier around like higher purpose. Like I live in London and I see a lot of my friends do things that they hate, but they're getting like a good salary for it. 
And to me, that's always been like kind of mad to, you know, sell your soul for for money, essentially. So it's all around how can we balance, you know, our spirit and then our like material world. So that's the idea of the cosmic bridge. How do we balance these two things together? So I've been, I have been interviewing some like sales and marketing people like us about what are the, how do they inspire their spirit outside of work? But then we've also got people like, um, like breathwork coaches and like shamans and things coming on. So it's going to be a bit of a diverse crowd that are going to come on the podcast. Oh, fantastic. Um, there's the, the wonderful concept of, of alpha states um, that I use quite a lot. It's, um, what's it called? Jose Silva, the Silva method, it's called, the idea of you can control your own uh, flow, you can get into flow quite quickly and manage to control that. It's one, there's one that I use a lot. So it's interesting, really nice. interesting concept. I really look forward to that. Cosmic Bridge. Uh, so yeah. click here and subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good search for the search for the Cosmic Bridge podcast. It's on all the uh, the, the podcast channels. Excellent. What are you reading or listening to if you like your your audiobooks? Yeah, so um, I guess some people who saw this concept of the cosmic bridge, some of them were like, oh, yeah, it's typical of Michael. Others would have been like, well, I didn't know this side of him because 90% of what I post on LinkedIn is like B2B sales and marketing tips. Um, But actually, when it's come to, I've read a couple of sales books in my time, but I kind of felt like when I got to a certain level, I was learning more of like speaking to people like you or like listening to podcasts versus reading a book that have, like was written four years ago that may not be of value. So what I actually found was really useful was reading books about psychology and like philosophy. And I found that was in, that was influencing my sales career much more than like reading sales books. Um, so uh, yeah, there's a couple of books I recommend. One is funny enough called The Cosmic Game, which is by a, a psychiatrist called Stanislav Grof. Um, and then a guy I'm into in general is called Carl Jung. So he's like an old psychologist who many people would have heard of. And probably the best book to read of his is The Archetypes and the Collective Unconscious. Um, and essentially, he's a psychologist that talks around these archetypes that are basically in every single story that really has ever become famous, whether it's like the Bible or the Lion King or Harry Potter. And there's different uh people within these stories that are kind of eternal and what's quite interesting is he's got this concept called the shadow which is basically instead of always blaming someone else for problems in our life is like looking internally at our own shadow and thinking okay what have i done to create this this situation so i really like that uh, that concept i love that the Jungian archetypes they're superb yeah really really fascinating in the and the recurrency you have in most literature. You mentioned you don't like reading the sort of the sales books that are four years old and uh, date and stuff. I mean, I went back, and one of the reasons I'm, I'm doing this podcast is I, I really enjoy the whole idea of management and leadership as a practice that you can get better at, which is why I picked up on this of the word practitioner you used at the beginning. And um, I went back when I was looking at building out my own management uh, course. I went back to things that were at least in print for 50 years. So if something's been around since 1936, like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, yeah. it's still in print, and it's in print for a reason, you know? So um, Peter Drucker, the effective executive from 1967, still in print and well used for a reason. But then you have some, I don't know what you would call it, bro literature, you know, uh, how to whack around and, you know, piddle your way to success in five easy steps 
I mean, really, some of that stuff is a year, two years old. It's so pop culture. It'll be out of date in another yeah. six months. And frankly, it could have been 140 characters in a tweet. The amount of nonsense that's filled up with some of the some of the stuff that's out these days. Yeah, I only you know, wish. Sorry, I was just going to say, I've read Dale Carnegie's book and I love it. And I think it's more of like, I see it more as a book of like how to communicate in general versus like a sales book, which is, I think, why it's great. And I think those are the sales books that are more impactful, that they're looking at like the wider picture of how can we be better communicators as as humans and then like apply that to sales. And yeah, a lot of it is, um, you know, just being better listeners, um, being more curious, right? That's a lot of what Dale Carnegie talks about, which again, these are, this is why people say sales is like life because they're just skills that help you in your everyday life as well. It totally is. And it's, I don't think it's quite just being a better communicator so you be a better human. For To be a salesperson, I think if you're a better human, you're a good salesperson. I mean, as sure. you said, I love that sales is like life. It totally is. It's one of those skills that we apparently we used to teach this in many many moons ago. You know, you'd have your you'd have your business studies class in the the late sixties, and you get taught how to sell things. But oh no, it's a dirty profession now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a dirty profession where enterprise salespeople are 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 earning four hundred grand a year. Aye, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, yeah. What would you like to thank young Michael for having done? Or younger Michael? Yeah, I, th- I think, um, and I never really thought about this till recently, and a couple of friends said it to me, and they, I think it's the that Nike, this isn't a promotion for Nike, but they've got that phrase, just do it, right? And I think I've always been like that. My, my dad was someone like that, so I'd have to thank him for kind of having that attitude. But there were things I did, like you mentioned, moving to different countries. So I like moved to Spain, I moved to Colombia, I just had a gut feeling it was the right thing to do. And I actually always did it for work, but some people mean like, oh yeah, I'm not sure if I should do this. I should like stay in London and it's, you know, it's less risky to do that. Um, And then even like the other day when I launched this podcast, the podcast is more, it's actually like a side project because my business is doing very well. I'm just like, I'm going to speak to someone interesting once a week and more of like a philosophical topic and, and see what happens. I don't have any goal to like make money or get leads or anything from it. Um, and then a friend was like, oh, I love the way you just decide to do something and that's it. So I think it's like having that attitude of like just doing it. And I think people overthink things a lot. It's the same oh. in sales, like thinking about the perfect pitch and actually take sales as an example. If you just go out there and like make calls and speak to customers, you're gradually going to learn about the way they think and it's going to get easier and easier. So I think just I'm thankful that I've always had that, you know, just do it attitude. There you go. Lastly, then, as we wrap up, Michael, how can people find you? What are your coordinates? Yeah, probably the easiest is um, LinkedIn. So just if you search Michael Hansen, uh, Growth Genie, uh, you'll be able to to find me there. I post daily content. Normally, as I said, it's about B2B sales, but there's some other things in there as well. And uh, you're also welcome to go to our website. It's growthgenie.co. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get the .com domain, which is why it's .co. Um, uh, you just have to make another hundred million pound, and then you can buy it off of I don't know Turn yeah. Gamble, who probably own it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the one, Michael Hansen. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. My pleasure, Paul. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework is to leave your five star review, and please, any comments you have, you really help me to improve every day, and it also helps people to discover me online. You should check out. 
practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working.